This is the Secrets We Share podcast, a show about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the left and rights of mental health care in Australia. Here's your host, Francis Carlton. Welcome to Secrets We Share, a podcast about all things mental health now and in the future. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter, there may be some triggers, there may be whatever there is when we talk about mental health. So pour yourself a cup of tea, take a seat and welcome Vanessa to Secrets We Share. Welcome, Vanessa. Hello. Hello. Thank you for agreeing to talk to me today, yeah. talk with me. Happy to do that. Yeah. Happy to have a chat. Love chatting. So. Yeah. <laughs> Love chatting. <laughs> so if you had to describe yourself in three words, how, what, would that, what would that be? So I think that would probably be, uh, actually, it's okay. <laughs> actually, it's okay. Actually, it's okay, because I spend a lot of time thinking about how maybe it's not okay, and sometimes I need to, well, I definitely always need to practice pressing that pause button and uh, taking a deep breath and looking at things factually, not as they are in my head, and going, okay. actually, it's okay. Yeah. So your head plays games sometimes? All the time, constantly. Um, just enough to be really irritating. It's sort of, um, I'm very functional, like you've got my life, you know, pretty together, pretty mm. good, um, but just enough to be uh, like a gnat or a mosquito in your room at night and it's just sort of constantly irritating you, undermining you. So, it's an um, annoying buzz that you think's close but it's actually a little bit further away. Yeah, and it's actually, it's not even, it's not even real. <laughs> it's all just, it's all just noise in your head um, that you're just creating <laughs> for yourself. What does that noise sound like, apart from being a mosquito? Yeah, it's, um, it, it sounds like um, a commentary or a monologue or a running commentary on everything I do. Um, and it can be something as mundane as say I'm making a cup of tea and you're like, do you really want English breakfast? Or maybe you should have that Earl Grey or do you want real sugar? Do you want fake sugar? Or maybe it's too hot or maybe you've left it too long. And to the point where I'll go then onto the next topic and then completely forget I made a cup of tea and then come back to it or look at it six hours later and go, wow, I could have really enjoyed that cup of tea if I hadn't talked myself out of it. So Mm. yeah, that's what it sounds like. (laughs) Right. So you miss a lot, lots of cups of tea. By I miss, a, I miss a lot of tea, but um, and again, I'm not, and I'm also not sure if that's the voices in my head or if that's the fact that I'm just a relatively new mum, because that that can contribute as well. But um, yeah. I like to blame the voices. Yeah, <laughs> the voices were were there before before your daughter, though. Yes, yes, yes. I think the um, whole process of pregnancy, hormones, biological changes, and the whole lot exacerbated them a lot so so before I had Hannah um I had sort of struggles with more depression um in like low self-worth low self-esteem than anxiety but once Hannah arrived it became just proper full-on undermining everything I do anxiety Mm. um and and less depression and the Mm. the volume just became like loud very like disruptive to the whole living process right yeah. So. And how have you how have you how have you sort of coped with that volume? Yeah. So at first I really didn't. Yeah, I really didn't cope at all. And it wasn't something that I was really I wasn't aware that it was happening. So my husband sort of kept an eye on me. Um because you know he's also like very aware of you know depression anxiety has his own struggles as well. So he knew that there's probably something that we're going to deal with. Mm. Um and he called me out on it. Um 
quite soon after, like maybe two weeks after Hannah was born, had a quite like unpleasant birth and post-birth experience and some stresses. But then I would look at her and just say, like, I have no idea what to do. And because in my head, my head was just going, whatever you do, you're going to end up harming her or hurting her or you're going to fail her in some way. She's crying because you failed her. Whatever you do, you're just going to make it worse. So I was actually completely crippled. Um, So I went to see my doctor about it and um, started seeing a therapist again. Um, and then that I wasn't finding that help, so he put me on um, Zoloft yep. medication, and I found that was almost instant. That it took that volume that was just overwhelming, and wow. just turned it down to a point where I could just say, "No, no, I don't think you're right. I think I know what to do." And actually, it's okay. Well, that's interesting because <laughs> Zoloft usually takes two to three weeks to kick in. Mm, mm, it was, so I think it was probably a placebo you... effect at the beginning, right. but then it, it was like a very right, wow. and I. I um, attempted to come off it a couple of times before I was proper, properly ready mm. um, and I found that it was a very quick, that volume coming back very loud, very fast. Mm. So um, I found it worked very well for me. Did you go back on it if you when you tried to, to go off I it? I did, yeah. There was, I think, two attempts I made to, ta- to, to go off it um, and the second attempt I it was the second attempt I made it through. So that first time I just, mm. I think I was sort of rushing it. Mm. And um, I had stopped seeing my therapist so often. And so I was like, oh, okay, we need to do, we need to do this gradually, you know, so continue with the therapy, which I still, I'm, I'm seeing two different therapists now, okay. but no Zoloft. Do so. they have, do they have specialist fields, the, the two therapists that you're seeing? Um, no, so, so one is cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. and the other one, she is Gestalt um and psychotherapy so, so she challenges you a bit just started seeing her so yeah, yeah. waiting we're still in that, that honeymoon period of still getting to know each other and yeah. then um I was hoping um because I was reading um some books from the school of life and they, those guys are like really into psychotherapy and I thought mm. well cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy it helps with some elements but I felt like I, I need to kick up the butt in other areas that needed to make that sort of that breakthrough mm. um and so I thought well you know enough for school of life surely <laughs> give that a go <laughs> so we'll see but um, yeah she's lovely gestalt is wonderful for that especially if mm. you know that you actually do need somebody who's going to give you a bit of a challenge because mm. gestalt therapy does, does tend to lean more towards the challenging side of yeah of interventions rather yeah. than the soft sort of like how are you feeling that's right it tends yeah. to be a bit more what are you doing yeah yeah so so i think that's uh We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like maybe that's the missing piece. Maybe that's the bit that's going you know, to challenge yeah. those core beliefs that are, I'm clinging to that yeah. cause the voices. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's your it's it's your voice. It's it's a uh, I'm I'm hearing that it's that doubt which is that mm. that, that cup of tea English breakfast at Earl Grey. Yeah. yeah. And I'm hearing that that's what happened when you were to, when you were first dealing with Hannah as well. Which yeah. Was that, do I do this? Do I do that? And it was just like, I don't know what to do at all. That's right. That's I'm stuck. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's a, it's very different to a lot of other mum's experiences, but I know this one comes from, you know, way back in my childhood when you had, I had an overbearing parent who would say, you know what, I know what's best for you. You don't want the scooter for Christmas. You want, you know, a gift voucher to go buy something else. And so you would be told what you want. And so you already undermined from mm. an early age. Um, and I think I just put myself in those situations where I find a dominant personality that can make those decisions for me because mm. when you take yourself out of them and you're left to, well, what do you feel like doing, Vanessa? 
this sort of, it's a big, big blank empty space and I'm sort of waiting for someone to tell me. Mm. And it was interesting with, um, with having Hannah because you have so much information as a new mum, you have midwives shoving things down your throats, you have doctors, you have Dr. Google, you have well-meaning friends and well-meaning family. And um, no matter how recently they've all had children, all of their information is not actually going to work for your child probably. Mm. Um, And Dr. Google's the worst. And Mm. um, I'm tragic. I want to, because I need to know in advance, I'm a a learning person who reads through, like Mm. I I learn through reading. Mm. Um, So I read every book I could get my hands on and every article I could read so I could prepare myself because I sort of thought that, yeah, I'm not going to know what to do. I'm not going to have this intuition Mm. and I'm not going to trust myself. Mm. Um, And then, you know, I was relying on this information that I'd had um, and and couldn't, couldn't, still couldn't make a decision, Mm. you know, so it does get really overwhelming. Yeah. Mm. Lots and lots of information. Yes. Like, Conf- and, and vastly conflicting information. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was, and, and because you're already a little bit insane once you have a child, like, you know, your, your body's going through huge changes, your hormones are completely mad. And then on top of that, you're second guessing what you're doing. So I had a lot of difficulty breastfeeding Hannah. And so I would sit there and bless, they have these apps that mm. can help you time how long you're feeding your child for. So I would look yeah. at the app and she'd be on one boob. And I'm like, okay, she's been 15 minutes feeding. Is that long enough? Or maybe she needs a bit longer. And so I go, Dr. Google, how long should my child feed on one breast? And you're like, oh, it's the magic of the magic of um, breastfeeding. You don't know. And I'm like, no, I can't accept. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would say, okay, maybe 15 minutes is not long enough. So wait, 30 minutes, is she still going? Is she asleep? And you know, now I'll try this side. And so I would log every single feed and analyze every single feed and at the end she was still hungry you know and I'm just like well all this data tells me that she should have eaten enough but I'm looking at her and she's still hungry so I don't understand what's gone wrong here mm. you know and um and at the time also because there's so much again so much information I had gestational diabetes before mm. Hannah was born so a lot of the midwives would caution me against using formula because they said oh that could encourage diabetes in your child and there could be health complications so I was absolutely terrified of feeding her formula because of what a handful of people had told me Mm. and so I'm sitting there looking at this starving child and I'm like well I'm not feeding her enough but I also can't feed her and so you just start that Mm. just your world disintegrating anxiety circle just starts not sure what to do yeah and it took um a midwife came out to the house and she weighed Hannah before a feed and weighed her after the feed. She's like, you know, I know everyone's really upset. Let's approach this logically. She said before feed, she was this much. After feed, she was this much. And that shows she was not getting anything. So the answer is we'll give her formula because your child has to eat. Mm. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know I'm not a dumb person. I know that my child has to eat. But then here's all this information telling me that that's the worst thing I can do for her. Mm. And yet... I know that she needs to eat. So it was just, mm. again, it was me allowing someone who obviously, of course she knows so much more than me, but just that that decision can be made by that person. I mm. don't have to wear that responsibility. But again, it was just that whole, and then my self-worth, my self-doubt, everything comes into question and I'm a horrible human being because I'm starving my child. And, oh, it was just, yeah, just, just really overwhelming. But mm. that's sort of the... 
the vortex of that postnatal depression and anxiety. Yeah. 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 So that up and that up and down of yeah. And what was the, what was the impact on your relationship with with when you were going through that as well? I think it. Um, I think it wasn't terrible, and I think I'm very lucky. And and I reflect on on my relationship versus some of the other girls that I know in my mum's group. Um, that you know, my husband has a very low bullshit threshold. So mm. when something's not going right, and there's no reason for it, he'll call it out, mm. and he'll put together a plan and to say, hey, look, this isn't working, so how about we try this? And it'll be very logical mm. and very methodical. I know there's a lot of he was super frustrated with me um, because I wasn't acting rationally, but I think also he recognised that, you know, not in my, my, my right mind. Mm. Um, so, so I think the, the relationship itself was, was good. He's very helpful with Hannah. He got us through all those, like, the first month while mm. I had a lot of other health problems as well. Um, he's pretty much the only one who could settle her. Once we could start, once um, we, we had her on formula, he was doing a lot of the feeding as well. Mm. Um, so I think that was that was really good. And I think from, from my perspective, yeah, for having him call it out and say what you're doing is not rational and what you're doing doesn't make any sense and you're just punishing yourself for no reason, that's that's huge to have someone care about you enough to say it. Mm. I see a lot of um, the other mums in my group, their husbands are a little bit nervous about confronting them when they're doing irrational things. Mm. Um, and, and you sort of wish that they would because there's got to be someone who you care about and who respects you and you respect who can mm. call you out on it. Mm. And that's the best way to get the help. So you and your husband, Russell, have been together for a long time. Yeah, 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> long time. <laughs> <laughs> so he's able to call you out on that bullshit. I think even if we weren't together for that long, if we were just random people on the street, he'd call me out on it anyway. <laughs> he's just that kind of person. But, um, but, yeah, I think he doesn't have that fear of he has that thing where I'm not, I'm not scared to not, I don't intend to hurt your feelings, but I'm not going to get, let your feelings get in the way of what I have to say when it's mm. something important. Mm. I think that's a really challenging thing to deal with in a day to day relationship, but also like just the most valuable thing because you have that pure honesty. Mm. Um, so you always know exactly where you stand. So does that go both ways? So when he's going through his, his bad times, do you also call him on it? Not really, but I'm not that, I'm not that communicator. It's not my communicating style. Okay. <laughs> I'm very, I'll hold it on. And this is something I work with like actively every day with my therapist or yeah. in just life. I'm not an assertive communicator. Um, so I, I know that, I know that I can, and he's not going to be upset, but yeah. I need to get over myself and my anxieties and all that kind of thing to be able to put it together and mm. say, Hey, you know, but I think in, in our own, in our own ways, we do, we do communicate mm. pretty well. Yeah. And if something mm. does, if, if something is really, is really troubling, then I will, I will call it out, but I'll just do it in a really passive way really passive <laughs> like way. write him a letter or something you know? <laughs> send him an email that's pretty active writing a letter is actually okay. pretty active that's, that's not that's, that's not passive because okay. that's it's you're still communicating you're just yep. communicating in a, in what you see as a safer way yes yeah you're still you're still putting it out there this yeah. is what i need from you yeah 
Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't say letter writing is passive at all. I if you I, wrote the yeah. letter and didn't give it to him, yes, that, would, that be would be passive. That would be incredibly <laughs> passive. Yeah, haven't ha- haven't really done that. Um, but I think I, I think the the trouble I have because his his communication is so direct, and he can formulate exa- he knows so clearly how he feels, and he's so comfortable with mm. that. Because I have these underlying self esteem issues, and I'm sort of like, well, who are you to really have that kind of opinion? That's you know, so I challenge myself before I get to the actual communicating part. And then if I sit there and I, it's a process I go through. So I have to really look at the situation, put a third third party lens on it and say, mm. you know, what if someone else was looking at this situation? Would that be okay? And then sort of the pros and the cons and the, and then I have to really, really work it out and go, okay, I think this is how I feel about this. You know, and is it okay? Yes. Or is it not okay? No. Well, what do I need to say about it? Mm. So that's, it's, it's hard. One of my therapists gave me, um, well, I find it really hard. She gave me a worksheet and she's like, when, when you need to say something, go through this. Like when you do X, it makes me feel like Y. Therefore, next time, please do blah. And I'm like, it couldn't be easier, but I just, it's. You just have difficulty to making it yeah, happen without really, the worksheet. Exactly. I really, really struggle. I struggle if there's a, a you know, confrontation we're having or a discussion we're having in person on the spot. I sort of need to say, hey, time out. I need to go and formulate my argument, <laughs> <laughs> which is such a rubbish thing because in work life, I'm fine with communicating assertively and directly with people, but in relationships, Friendships, you know, romantic relation, any any form of relationship, I have a lot is, of Are your work and relationships not relationships though? They they are, but I know, I don't know why. I think I think it's because I'm getting paid. <laughs> I think that's the difference that I have is that okay. they have. Uh, I think the way that I subconsciously look at it is, I have been asked to come and work in this place because I have a particular set of skills. And um, and I have a history and experience that people mm. want, and therefore that's that's the basis. That's the self worth. That's the worth. That's the reason I'm there. Whereas in a in a relationship, we're just here because fate has thrown us together. Okay. And so yeah, and and I I know that is a not correct way of looking at it, <laughs> right? I know. I and it's it's really strange. Yeah, at work, if if I'm in a meeting. Um, and you know something's come up and I'm not feeling comfortable mm. with it and I'm happy to call it out or if I need to lead a meeting or lead a discussion absolutely fine doesn't matter how many people are in the room it can be a lot of little whatever mm. but um yeah if it's but one-to-one with your husband yeah. you you can't you can't you find it very difficult to do the same thing. Very, very. And you've been together for 16 years. That's right, that's so right. So he values your experience. Yeah, yeah, maybe he should pay me. <laughs> maybe that <laughs> needs to be on the payroll. <laughs> well, you do run a business together, no, so actually, you kind of are. Yeah. We actually sold the business right. earlier this year. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was um, a mental health thing again. It was right. just absolutely destroying him. And okay. Not destroying me, but pretty much just destroying him so yeah. yeah so you were on the road quite a bit with that too with yeah, doing shows and yeah things. doing shows and it was just a lot of um we had people coming um to work for us who just just didn't work out you know I mean it's hard to find decent mm. people to come and work for you and love your business the way that you love mm. you know the business there's communication well there's a different relationship with it it is it is right mm. and um expectations that you have for different people and then relationships with other suppliers and communication with those suppliers and competitors so it's just it's a lot and 
um, it was just grinding, just wearing him out, just, you know, and mm. you get up and you're not excited about the day. That's not a fun way to be. Mm. And after Hannah came along, he was like, you know what, I just want to, I just want to be a stay at home dad. And I want to be there for my family and not be an angry dad. Mm. And so luckily for us, um, we decided late last year to sell and it finalized in June. So wow. we found a guy local to here, actually, he's only five minutes up the road. Yeah. And um, he was looking to get out of what he was doing and do something closer. He was, he was traveling a lot, like, inter, um, international yeah. um, each month. And he has a young family as well. And he's mm -hmm. like, I just want to be local. I'm like, there you go. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it all went very lucky for us. It all went very well. So, right. yeah, got this sort of exciting life opportunity now. So he's now a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Are you back to work? I am back at work. Um, I'm back four days a week. Mm. Um. And it's very flexible where I work, which is great. Mm. And a lot of a lot of the people in my team have young families. Um, so I don't think there's a day in the office where the whole team is in because everyone works different, Yeah, works flexibly, like some days from home. Um, a lot of people have at least one day off a week. So I, I have Mondays off because I hate Mondays. So yeah. get rid of those as quickly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I work Fridays from home and three days in the city. Right. And um, it, it was actually probably a great thing for me to go mm. back um, to work. I didn't want to say I didn't enjoy stay-at-home mum life, but it certainly wasn't the fit for my personality type. There's only so much brunching you can do. You start putting on a lot of weight. You know? There's only so much brunching you <laughs> brunching, can do. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a lot more to it. I'm not taking away from stay-at-home mums, but my stay-at-home mum experience was well, I'll get a brunch now. <laughs> were you were you excited to get back into a different way of thinking? I think I was excited to go back to something I was good at. I think that was right. yeah, yeah. So I feel I feel and I I'm sure again, this is anxiety. I'm sure it's not me. I don't think I am a great mum. However, I know that the evidence is otherwise. Like I do so logically, you know that you're ticking the right boxes exactly. and doing the right thing. And I was yeah. saying this to a friend of mine who actually just had her second child, and I thought it was very insightful, and so I'll share it with you, is that there's ticking the boxes and that's good enough, but it's the commentary you are adding to those boxes and that's your mental health, that's your crazy talk, right? Yeah. It's the saying, I fed my child today, but maybe she didn't have quite enough vegetables. She should have more meats and, you know, this kind of thing, or not enough complex carbohydrates, too much starch, you know. And, yeah. and you know, my, my child had a nap, but... You know, maybe she was a little bit cold and, you know, it wasn't long enough or blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I know that on paper, ticking the boxes, yeah, I, I did them. Um, and I think my head, I wish my head had been more in the game, like I'd be able to not have the mental health issues that held me back for a while. Um, but I think I'm just, it's, I think Hannah gets a better me going mm. back to work. So that the, mm. you know, the times I am home, I am, you know, she's excited to see me, I'm excited to see her and then we get time apart. And Is that commentary a little bit different when now that you're back at work? I think so, yeah, I think so. I think there's always going to be like pages of it, but I think overall it's a little bit more positive than negative. Um, mm. I try to focus more on the positives than the criticisms that I make. Mm. Yeah, and... Um, Oh, sorry, that. sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, I think it's more, it's 
it's more difficult going back to work because um, even though Russ is stay-at-home dad and he does a lot of the a lot of house stuff, he doesn't cook. And so on those days, I've sort of got to plan more, make sure you know, because you get home, Hannah's screaming, and it's going to be time to eat very quickly. And it's mm. sort of now it's just the time where this is what we have to do. Mm. Um, so he's just got to plan ahead on those days. Um, but uh, and getting out of the house can be stressful sometimes. But it's just it's just planning and it's just taking out any of those expectations that you have of being like the super mum who does everything. Like mm. I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. to go and do yoga, okay? Mm. I'm going to sleep every second I can get up to 6 a.m., mm. 6.30 if I can, mm. right? And then going to maybe not make lunch every day, just buy something, you know? Mm. So it's just. It's I saw just a wonderful um, I saw a wonderful thing on uh, BuzzFeed the other mm-hmm. day about mm-hmm. 14 unrealistic expectations of women in films mm-hmm. and one of the things it, it said was that you know the the mums get up in yep. daylight mm-hmm. they go to yoga they come home they shower they cook a full breakfast mm-hmm. for their family and then they manage to get to work for 9am mm-hmm. the reality is if you were actually doing that all in daylight you'd be getting to work at about 11 11 30 yeah 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 and so there is this this sort of this this real this expectation that we should be able to do all of that mm. before going to work yeah. and still be immaculately turned out with amazing hair and makeup and yeah. and, yeah. A, and a wardrobe to die for mm. exactly exactly and that really isn't a reality and i don't know who created this this image because a, a lot of mums have it not necessarily going back to work but the being able to do it all mm. that thing creeps into you and um i don't understand I feel like mums do it to themselves. And, well, I did it to myself after Hannah was born. So we have, like, where we live, we have a big front yard and a big backyard. Mm. And for some reason, like, after not really caring for a very long time about whether the yard was watered, the garden was watered, I had to be out there each day watering the garden. It took took an hour to do all of it. And it's like, no, you should be asleep because your child's going to wake up and the whole thing has to start again. I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, I can water the garden as well as all these things. And it's like, but it wasn't important before. Why is it important now? And why do all these things need to be done right now? And I I don't, yeah, I don't know who created that view or if it's just something that we all have that's triggered when the hormones, maybe it's a conspiracy, our body's conspiring (laughs) against us, that it's just triggered that as soon as you have the baby, you go into overdrive. You know, maybe it's a biological thing that yeah, you want to do so much because you need to be alert to look after your baby, but still mm. it's pretty whack. It's pretty mm. bad. Yeah. Mm. And there's a lot of illogical, irrational things that you try to do. And I think it's the biggest thing is just, and I saw it again, it's a school of life thing, is that having a simple life is not boring. It's not something to be ashamed of. Mm. You know, it's not in any way, and this is different to how I was brought up, yeah, having a simple life with minimal responsibilities and just getting through the day, that's that's something to be proud of. It's actually, mm. you know, you don't have to go and have the fancy dinners and the fancy clothes and go and do all those things. You just need to get through your day and be sane at the end of it. Keep you know? it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. But for mm. some reason simple's not quite good enough, it feels. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think it doesn't feel good enough Mm, mm, I don't know. And I'm not sure when you're in the midst of it, 
in, in the midst of the mania that comes with having having the baby and the going, your t- body clocks all out. Um, you have a lot of people telling you don't do too much and you don't need to to do too much. But for some reason, in your mind, you're like, but I also need to make sure that all the laundry is folded and put away, and then I need to do the next thing and do the next thing and do the next thing and. I'm, I don't know. I don't know why it's not enough to just say, like someone said to me, the most important thing is you just sit there and play with your kid and cuddle them. Is mm. you know, not much, let's be honest, not much playing at a month, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, all the stuff can wait, the cooking can wait, and, but I think at the, at the same time it's like, but it doesn't, it doesn't wait, it still has to get done. Mm. So I think that's the, you're constantly finding things to do that you would usually do. Your life, your world still has to run. Um, just because, you know, you've got this extra, extra thing to look after now, the whole thing has to, you still have to juggle everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it becomes tied up with your self-worth if you can't do it all, even though you don't have to do it all. Do you think society puts a lot of pressure on mums to perform in a particular way? I don't know if it's society so much as it isn't like the individual, the individual mums, because there was not... In, in our mum's group, there was not one mum who would sort of not look down on you but, you know, make comments or notice. No, no one was saying, and then I got all the washing done and then I got all this done and, you know, there was no role model mum who who could do it all. Okay. So, I'd, well, at least in, in my experience, mm. you know, there were mums who had, you know, this was their second kid, there were mums who were just like completely consumed with breastfeeding mm. but there was no one there going, Oh, and then I went and did the groceries and then I, you know, scrubbed the toilets and my house is just immaculate. There was nothing, no yeah. one like that. So I'm not sure where it comes from. Is it a media thing or is it, I don't know. Well, that's that's what I suppose that's what I mean by society, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, that media image of, you know, the immaculate mm. house and the, the films with, with the yeah. you know, long, you at know, the long same mornings. Time, and... um, I think, oh, I never really noticed it too much, but... There's this thing that I was reading online as well was about um, mums just vanishing. So new mums, like especially especially friends of mine, they just vanish. You don't hear from them. Mm. And, you know, before you have a kid, well, before I had a kid, I was like, I'll just let them do their thing. I don't really know what you're going through. I don't know what I can do to help because you just no idea. Yes. Um, and so I sort of felt like that new mum thing, or in media at least, there's the, the warm, glowy pregnancy and everything's going amazing. You pop this baby out, there's no placenta. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. You know, and then she there's either no dies. There's no yeah, ickiness. There's no icky. She either bleeds out and dies yeah. or, or she, um, you know, suddenly has this beautiful baby and then they vanish. You know, I don't, um, I don't, I don't think there's enough coverage of it. Maybe that's. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the gap. Maybe it's uh, we don't know what she's doing, so we must assume she's just doing all her regular stuff as well as mm. the baby. Mm. I don't know. It's not very glamorous. Maybe that's why they won't make anything of it. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons why it doesn't get talked about mm. because mums do just vanish in that first so. few, few months Yeah, because they're so busy trying to sleep and feed and sleep and feed and mm. wash and sleep and feed yeah. and, and wash. And your brain's disintegrating. Your body's falling apart. Mm. Yeah, it's... um. It's very unattractive, and yet then there's that there's a your know, classic stay-at-home mum vision of you know the children are all at school and she's just got all the time in the world and independently wealthy or you know that yeah. kind of thing, you know. So you go straight from the birthing suite to you know ten years later, 
and three months, you know, like one, yeah. w- one month down, you've got a flat stomach again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> said no one ever. Um, yeah, that's... unless you've got a personal trainer, I don't think that happens. No, unless unless I think you're um like there's some some girls in my group is just like naturally slim, yeah. and they just weight falls off them. But, yeah. um and they're breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think there was like much body issue kind of problem. Is mm. um, but I think there's a lot of a lot more mental health and anxiety than than the girls are talking about or than society talks about. Mm. You know, I know there's a few, like um, the Panda Foundation and a few of those Gidget Foundation and stuff emerging. Mm. But um, What's the Panda Foundation? Um, perinatal and postnatal. Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Peri and postnatal and depression association. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I yeah. think, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I think they have a, a helpline or something that you can call. Okay. Yeah, because um, we saw it on TV and Russell said you should call them, but it was actually just for, like, um, girls living in the bush who didn't have support. Right. Um, new mums. But um, I think, yeah, Panda Panda and Gidget are the two that at least appear a lot. Gidget. Yeah, Gidget. So okay. they do a lot of postnatal depression, um, like okay. fundraising awareness and that kind of stuff. In uh, in Canberra we have Padsy. Padsy. Oh, that yes. sounds cute. <laughs> yeah, Padsy. It's the yeah. well-being. It's the post-perinatal well-being centre. Ah, so you're, you're 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 in Sydney, so you mm. would have Sydney services. So we'll I'll put some links in the blog entry yeah. around around Panda and yeah. Gidget. Yeah, Gidget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. for help. Um, yeah. Because I try to, you know, we try to sort of share the love Absolutely. with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they've helped you. Um, no, they haven't helped me. It was just like things that I was looking at yeah. and reading about. Okay. And there's a lot of blogs online as well that are just, I know it sounds like trashy mummy reading blogs, but things that just sort of take that edge off that you are not completely insane. Those other mums who go a little bit mental as well. Do you well. have a favourite? Um, I think I like Motherly, so it's mother.ly. Yes. And it's got, you know, the beautiful stock photography of the families and all the rose-tinted this and that, but really like quite hard-hitting articles like, you know, it is hard now but it will get better. And, you know, I think uh, they're written by mums who've gone through hard times as well and it's just very, very uplifting and very empowering, so probably a bit schmaltzy, but... But sometimes if you're in that headspace, you need that. But not. But letting you know that it's not just you. It's not just you, exactly. Yeah. My, so you're 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 a writer. You like mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. you like to yeah. put pen to paper. I do. Yes. Have you submitted anything to any of these any of these pages? No, I haven't yet. I feel like I'm still in it. I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did a lot of so as part of trying to cope with the anxiety and stuff. A lot of journaling at the yep. time, um, but. Nothing eloquent enough. It's mostly just swear words and questions, random questions to the universe. <laughs> just scribbling fuck just, in your book. <laughs> just why won't you fucking eat? What have I done wrong now? You know. So um So your journal helped you? My yeah, the journaling did help me to sort of just get out some of the rage and frustration I was feeling. Mm. And then I think now, um, unfortunately I'm just not it's not regular enough with it to be a really helpful tool, but yeah. a lot of the, you know, this happened, you know, and then I'll look at it a, a couple of days later and, and go, okay, I process it a little bit. Mm. Um, or if I'm in, in the midst of something and I'll sort of just journal and scribble down, this is what's happening, this is how I'm feeling, this is where I'm feeling it, is this, this is this emotion. So just trying to get that distance so it's not so overwhelming. Mm. So I find that um, that journaling is helpful, but um, I do miss I do miss the creative writing and having the headspace and the time 
to do it because there's always that nagging feeling in the back of my head like you should be doing something else or you should be resting or, you know, all this kind of practical life stuff. What are you doing for self-care at the moment if you're still in it? <laughs> That's a good question. It changes each week, doesn't it? So, mm. <laughs> so the self-care... It, cha- it, it literally does change week to week. A lot of what I do is um, listening to music on the way to work. Yep. And so I really, I, I listen to SoundCloud and I have a really great range of things that I listen to that just like makes me feel really, really good. And it's mm-hmm. just one of those, I can do that. Um, and that's easy to do on the way to work. I meditate as well on the way to work. I find that really helpful. Mm. Um, I colour. So I was colouring a lot. So I don't draw, I colour, okay? (laughs) So um, I did a lot of colouring before Hannah was born. There's an artwork in her room that she now really likes and that makes me feel amazing. Um, So I'm tragic because I I buy all these nice pens, I buy all these beautiful pencils, I buy all these beautiful colouring books and I start but I don't finish. And so sometimes I find that that even just adds to my anxiety even more because I'm like, you started something to make yourself feel good, you won't even finish it. So sometimes it depends if it's a good day, then then it doesn't matter. So the picture in Hannah's room is something that you've coloured in. Yeah, yeah. But you finished it. I finished them, yeah. Yeah. But then that was before Hannah and I had time to (laughs) sit down and do these things. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, I I do enjoy colouring. If I can get over the fact and I can just say to myself, hey, it's not the end of the world if you don't finish the colouring. It'll be fine. It'll be there in another year and you can pick it up again. If I can get through that, and just say that, then then it's fine. I, I love it. You know. How often do you tell yourself that though? Oh, enough to start a new one every couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I do sit there, but then I go through and I look at all the ones that I haven't. And sometimes that just makes me feel bad. So yeah, yeah but um, so coloring is good, and the other things are self care. You know, just get out and go for walks and try to eat well and. I wish I had more massages. But, um, Are you still watering the garden? No, we, Russell put in an irrigation system because he's amazing. So he just, <laughs> I don't even need to turn it on now. He goes and turns it on, so I just <laughs> sit there. Um, I think, yeah, I think the, the other thing for self-care that's been fantastic is that I have an amazing mother-in-law who takes Hannah almost every second weekend. Right. Most weekends she'll take her for, like, the whole weekend. So... You know, I look at some of the mums in my mum's group. We went to the Hunter Valley for a girls' weekend uh, mm. like a month ago. It was their first night away from their child in like 19 months. I had a weekend off from Hannah within the first month, you know, because, I, well, I, I was in hospital, but still. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so I was just like looking at them like from my self-care, I couldn't be around Hannah longer than, say, two weeks, three mm. weeks every single night because I just, you get worn out. Mm. Well, I get worn out. And I get, that's my anxiety. You get, you lose a couple of nights sleep. The anxiety starts getting really bad. You start getting super depressed and it all goes to just explodes. Mm. Um, so it's just, it's, I think for my self-care, the best thing has been getting time out from Hannah. Mm. And I think it's the best thing anyone, if you have, a, if you have your, your tribe, utilize your tribe. So the support has been really, really useful for yes, you. Yes. It's been like the number one absolutely number one it allows me to sit there and say gee it's okay that I haven't done that coloring I don't have to do anything else this afternoon so I'll just do a little bit more you know mm. um this gives you that headspace 
to and then reflect on how the how's the week been and and just to be able to say yeah I lost it but that's okay you know and it'll be better next time Mm. but I feel terrible when I see some of the like my good close mum friends and you're like you are trapped in this negative way of thinking you are trapped in this anxiety feedback loop that you're giving yourself Mm. and you don't have that chance to get away from it and sort Mm. of have a lens on it and just chill out for a moment Mm. you know that's that's the worrying thing and there's a lot of mums who don't have that Mm. you know parents are too old because we're having kids later Mm. so they don't have that support network Mm. or or it's the anxiety that won't let them let their kid be with someone else Mm. you know and I think that's the most terrifying thing is like Mm. best thing for Hannah is going she she can go out see anyone hang out with anyone leave her anywhere like I I wouldn't but yeah she's cool with everyone she's okay and that's just there's that confidence there because she's used to seeing other people she's happy could sleep anywhere so I've met I've met Hannah a few times when Mm. she was younger Mm. and I've always and I'm 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 an auntie to several nieces and nephews and Mm. I don't have children of my own but um, I've always, um, and my mum said this to me, she said, I don't know what it is about you, Francis, but I think you've got like Medusa hair that only babies can see <laughs> because they just kind of, and they do. Most most young children, when they see me, even though I'm smiling and going, hello, 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 they like just freeze oh. <laughs> and then start screaming. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it's not that I don't like babies, mm-hmm. They're not my favourite, but it's not that I don't like them. Mm. But and I, I, I'm, I'm, I try, but there's obviously something about me. Did mm. don't get that from Hannah at, at all. No, no, Hannah's just still a hi. Yeah, welcome to the house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why she. It's like with most people, she'll she'll sort of like suss them out. But her her reaction when meeting people is never, I'm scared. It's mm. more. You got to, well, what are you bringing to the party? Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's all right, bring your snacks. That's it, that's it. Oh, you have snacks, yay. Let's be friends. Let me show you all my toys, you know. Yeah. So, and and I think I part of me thinks that she's probably just her personality type. But, um, but yeah, she has always been able to just get along with everyone. So, yeah, she's always been able just to, to go anywhere and do anything, which is, and I, I really attribute that to handing her off to Russell's mum, to my mum, to. <laughs> yeah, but that personality type, she does, she didn't come out of, she didn't come out of you with that personality. Mm. That personality type is being developed yeah. and, and growing from mm. her attachment style, which is obviously very secure with mm, you mm. because, you know, you do go off to work, you do give mm. her to, and she comes home again. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for, Yes, there was some some difficulties in the beginning, but mm. because you've been able to give her to your mum, to your mother-in-law, mm. to Russell, yeah, she knows that she comes back to the home base, mm. so she's actually very safe and secure. That's true, and that's, that's probably true. why she welcomes people in when here, mm. you know. Yeah, you brought snacks. Let's have a party, and here's my toys. <laughs> that's right. Because her personality is developing from mm. the experiences that she had and yeah. you had as a child. And very secure. Yes, yes, it's it's mm. good. And I think yeah. I think that more. I'd like to see, and it is hard because everyone's situation is different. But I'd like yeah. to see more mums leveraging the village, mm. you know. And yeah, I, th- I think to myself, what would we do if we didn't have Russell's mum and my mum? 
And I know that I have a good network of friends mm. who, you know, while they wouldn't be able to take every weekend, they they take for a few hours, you mm. know. And I think there's the fear of asking for mm. help. I think it's a big one that a lot of people struggle with, um, or especially like, you know, yeah, mums asking for, can you look after my kid? Because we all have this default setting that my child is the devil. My child will drive everyone insane. My child won't sleep for you. My child won't do this and like you know what, your child will eventually sleep, mm. okay? They may cry themselves to sleep, which is unpleasant, but they'll go to sleep mm. and it'll be okay. Mm. And I think that's the I think that's the thing that rather than with all the midwives shouting at you about how to breastfeed and how to latch on and how to do this and how you're not doing that enough, they should really be focusing a lot more on the mental health of saying and, and, and telling yourself it's going to be okay and okay is good enough, mm. You know, because mm. they do. Um, when in the in the prenatal classes that you go to, um, through the public health system, um, they do spend a lot of time talking about postnatal depression. Okay, and it was actually really really helpful. Um, and they had the husbands in the room as well, and they were talking about what are some of the signs that might show that your wife's suffering. Um, and we talked through a whole bunch of different ones. What are some of the things someone might say? And so those, mm. um, you know, help husbands work out what's going on and then they need to extend on that to say okay so you're suffering what can you do mm. and it's beyond just so so work. it was something that was openly discussed that there's a mm. high likelihood of this happening and yeah. this is what to look for mm. yeah which is you know sort of goes against that um that understanding that you know postnatal depression is 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 a real thing mm. which is sort mm. of for a very long time has been the narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. around that this, you know, yeah. you're unusual. Mm, mm, you know, mm, this isn't mm. something that happens normally. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Mm. It was it was really interesting because I wasn't expecting them to go into they talked a good hour and a half about it. Right. Um, and, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. And they also talked a bit about how the dads could get a bit depressed as well, which right. I thought was fantastic. Right. So it was it was really good. What that was they, the reasoning behind dads getting depressed? Just, um, just they're, they're no longer the centre of the world. <laughs> no, but um, their needs are secondary. A lot of, yeah. like, you know, you're not having sex, you're not able to go out with your mates, that kind of So, So their lives change significantly yeah. as well. Yeah, so, so it's a change of lifestyle. It is, yeah. And a how drastic do you deal with change that? of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, and I think, I think I would like to see, like, for mums, um, once you once you have your baby and you're gone, you go to your local health clinic, and then you sit in a room with all these other mums and you have a chat, you know. And it's it's actually really cool. Uh, the midwife goes around and says, "How's your week been? How's things with you?" And then mm. you have however long you want to talk, and then you go through. Um, but that you don't see as many of those sorts of organisations for dads. Yes, which is interesting. Um, because I mean, the, the way that a lot of dads socialize is different, right? So they've got some dads who go to the pub together and there's dads yeah. who go for walks together with the kids, but I don't think you could sit in a room like that and say, how are you feeling? How's well, your week? It's been? interesting you say that because, mm. um, I've, I've done a little bit of work with, um, Red Nose, mm -hmm. um, and they have dad, they have dad's groups, mm. but when that, so they meet a lot less regularly than the mum's groups do. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you know, red nose is around um, infant um, infant mortality. Yeah. So when they when they meet with the dads, they 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 go on a walk and then they yeah. have a barbecue and they sit round they sit round a circle yeah. after they've gone for the walk and they've yeah. bonded over that physical activity. Yeah. 
Whereas the mums just come to the office and sit in a circle and they chat, 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 chat. But the dads need to be doing something. Yes. They need to be doing their physical activity. But the other thing is that the dads only meet once every four to six weeks, mm. whereas the mums are meeting weekly. Yeah, yeah. So it's there. There's a there's definitely a focus um, mm. more on the mums in those situations yeah. and and in you know in childbirth generally because mm-hmm. you know it's not about the dads that's right yeah yeah which is you know it absolutely is about the dads as well I because is, yeah their, their lifestyles yeah. change and I think it's um to support the the mums as well so I know um it would be like you know Russell's not a super social kind of guy but it would be really interesting sometimes if I see the mums that I know have some struggles if their husbands got together say with someone like you know with Russell who could be like, oh yeah Ness went through this and you know mm. I recommended that would that help them to then prompt them to get some help for their for mm. their significant others yeah. you know maybe that extra push could do that kind of thing and yeah. maybe meeting people more frequently like yeah meeting more frequently mm. could encourage them to do that because the the dads that I see they you see them at barbecues or birthday parties and they don't really see each other other than that and you're not really getting that conversation yeah you know you say like oh how's your kid oh what's your kid doing and oh my wife yells at me when my kid falls over too you know yeah it's not it's not quite the you know how's your wife like how's things yeah you know? so is that they're talking about the football and the, they're and pretty the, much and all the, talking about the football GP. Well. that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> if they talked more about v8 supercars maybe russ would go <laughs> but um yeah, it's it's interesting. I think um, when I first went to that mum's group, there was one one dad there, um, which I thought was amazing. And then when we had our play group, there was actually a dad. There was a very young couple. There must have been like 23, mm. right? And most of the mums in my group were late 30s, some early 40s. Yeah. Um, and the dad would come and bring the little girl in. You right. know, There was one dad amongst all the mums, and he was just totally cool with it. Just yeah. You just sort of like, oh. Faith in young people restored, you know. Yeah. It was just amazing and very open talking about how how they were doing and stuff and it was just, I feel like it's generational change, more people being aware of. Yeah. You know, so this ties in wonderfully with my mm. last question, which mm. is about the mental health, the future of mental health yeah. in Australia. Mm. And this is clearly an area that you're very passionate about. Mm. What do you What do you see as the future of, of perinatal and postnatal mm. um you know, parenting and mental yeah. health in the future in Australia. I think it's I think it's going to get a lot better. I don't think I don't think it's ever going to go away, but mm. the awareness is being raised. Mm. I think um, interesting because Russell had raised it with me perinatal, so that's your your mental health before having the baby is mm. so important. I think that should become more of a focus. Yep. Dealing with some of those underlying issues you already have, mm. um, and then the postnatal getting that support and more people saying it's okay to struggle mm. and and that kind of thing. So I think as more narratives come out, then it's easier for people to relate to. Mm. Um, and I think the, the medication piece, definitely, I think looking at therapy and talking in the social element of going to mum's groups as well as, you know, if you need it, the medication, I think mm. that that the whole combined thing is going to make it a lot easier mm. for mums. But um. I think the, the, the mum narrative itself needs to change, you know. We need to be more realistic, saying it's not pretty when your baby's born and you are not going to enjoy it. You know, you get that, like most mum's going to get that first year off of work and then the dads get that second year off. That's the good time is that 
one year plus okay yeah. you're going to get the crap time so it is crap but just accept it won't always be crap yeah and I think that's sort of being realistic about it kind of thing yeah. would really help getting more tribe getting more village mm. and support for women mm. in terms of getting the baby away from mum mm. that would make a huge difference as well but mm. there's yeah there's some good foundations out there and good good communities and everything and it's yeah. just encouraging people to you know be vulnerable and accept that you know you are struggling and it's going to get all right. it's going to get better yeah yeah brilliant mm. thank you so much for agreeing That's to talk okay. to me Vanessa it's been an absolute pleasure my anxiety is now like was that good enough <laughs> it was it absolutely was brilliant thank you and I, I hope I hope that the listeners are able to uh to, to to comment and give you some reassurance that that what you had to talk about is absolutely of value so thank you to Vanessa uh, for agreeing to talk to me today and sharing some of her secrets as usual, this will be on um, the blog. It's also available on Apple, iTunes and everywhere else you get podcasts. Thank you again, Vanessa, for agreeing to talk to me. If you want to be a patron, uh, there will be exclusive content over on Patreon over on Patreon as well. So if you'd like to hear some more about from Vanessa, then we can actually you just need to go over there and head over there and uh, become a patron. Thank you. And until next time, stay well. Thank you for listening to Secrets We Share. If you're interested in sharing some of your secrets, please visit our website at secretkeepercounseling.com.au. Keep an ear out for our next episode soon.